So if you've got your Bibles or your phones, anyone got a real Bible? I always say that, don't I? Okay, 1 Peter, and chapter 1. And how many people remember what series we are currently in? Anyone remember from the last few weeks ago? Holiness, Roger, thank you. Holiness. And we're going to be doing a few weeks on this topic, because I think it's a, a topic that has, been, has got some dust on it now in church life. And what we want to do is wipe the dust off the truth and know that you and I are called to be holy, as he is holy. Um, God wants to do something special in these days. He wants to, he loves his bride. His bride is the church. And I love the contributions that have come this morning about death, where is your sting? See, if anyone in here is frightened of dying, you know, for the Christian, there is no fear in death. It's a stepping through, almost like in Narnia. Do you remember in Narnia when they walked through the wardrobe into a whole new world? There was no fear in death for the Christian. It's been broken at the cross. And now Mark brought that lovely scripture about now live a new life. This is, you've been born again. Really, I don't, a lot of what's been said this morning, as I'm going to preach, has already been said, but it's wonderful when the Holy Spirit speaks through people. Ordinary people. I'm just an ordinary guy, you know. I'm nothing, believe me, I'm nothing special. And in that wonderful provocation that Terry brought, do you know what you're saved from? Do you really realize what you've been saved from? If you could see the ugliness, the true ugliness of sin, you, you would never sin again. You wouldn't want to. You've been saved from your sin forever. But you're saved too. Jesus and I walk with him. And it all ties into this, what we're going to look at this morning in the Word of God. So if you're here for the first time, I want to say you are more than welcome to be with us, okay? You are, you are amongst family. So take your shoes off, put your feet up. <laughs> but that's what we believe here. We're a family on a mission, okay? So 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 to 25 is what we're going to read. And in my Bible, there's a subheading that says, Called to be holy. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Just pick up some of these words that uh, Peter's writing. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he, who is called, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your t the time of your exile. Did you know that you're in exile this morning? Knowing that you were ransomed, you were bought from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers 
not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Mark touched on that in his reading. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word, the good news, that was preached to you. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your enduring, ever-living word. We thank you for the Bible. Thank you, Lord, it's not just a book on a shelf. It's a living word. Father, I pray this morning that as we come to these verses written millennia ago, I just thank you that, Lord, they're not the words, they are the words that a man wrote, but they are the very words of God to us today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will take these words and apply them to the door and the center of our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you'll open our eyes. Lord, not the eyes of our head, but the eyes of our inner man to see a revelation of you this day. I ask, Lord, for any who are in pain this morning, physically, emotionally, I pray, Lord, that you will bring comfort and peace and healing. Even as your word is proclaimed, I pray. Have your way, Holy Spirit, I ask. In this house, in this day, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen, Amen. What a powerful passage of Scripture. And um, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at some of those verses in, in 1 Peter that we've just read, and then we're going to pop over to Peter's next letter for some practical ways in how to be holy. Because you might think, how on earth? He's all right to talk about being holy. What does it mean? What does it mean to be holy? What does it mean in the 21st century, in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my work, in my home? What does it mean to be a holy person? And you may have caricatures in your own mind of what you think holiness is. Maybe very serious people. No, no, no. You know, holy people are the happiest people on the earth. 
Because to be holy, that word, holy, hagios, holy, means to be set apart. Set apart, different. And sadly, we live in a, a generation that, you know, where Christianity has kind of morphed into a, in some ways, a self-help club. Now, of course, it is, we want help. We need help to live. But we're not just, we haven't just got the power of positive thought. We're a distinct people. And we're not called to just be like the world out there. We'll look at what that means. What, what is the world? You know, what, what does that mean? The world? What do you mean? But it's easy for that influence, that culture out there, to creep into the church. It's been going since, it's been going since the Garden of Eden. But we're called today, and you and I are called to be different, to be distinct, and to live for Christ. And it means being holy. So I've got. I've got a great theological quote to start off with by a guy called Bruce Milne. And he's actually talking in this passage about the message of heaven and hell. Because we're going to look at that this year as well. We're going to preach on heaven and hell. You don't hear that in church very often today. But, but Bruce Milne is, is, is saying what we should be like as Christians, that there is a real end of life coming. There's an end of the world coming, and there's also an end for our mortal life, and we don't know when that is, right? But Bruce Milne writes this. The last century witnessed a wholesale attempt on the part of many theologians. You might feel they're, they're like study gods, you know. There was a wholesale attempt on the part of many theologians and Christian spokespeople to represent the Christian faith as an essentially this world religion. You see what I'm saying? The temporary, your best life now, that kind of stuff. And to eliminate its otherworldly concerns as either a symptom of immaturity or a, a deliberate evasion of immediate responsibility. The making small of our otherworldly focus is therefore a perilous development and one which has arguably contributed to all manner of sicknesses among churches, particularly in the Western world. Features such as the superficializing of worship. And I put a little comment in there. God Almighty instead of God Almighty. The loss of a wholehearted pursuit of Christian holiness. See, people say, oh... Holiness, that's, that's legalism. Oh, you, you're being legalistic. I want to tell you this morning, I want to draw the line between what being a religious legalist is and what a holy person is. There's a difference, a big difference. The neglect of prayer. <laughs> the neglect of prayer. A diminished zeal for evangelism and world evangelism and the undue reliance on natural solutions such as management technique and relevant presentation styles. Oh, ouch. Now listen, let me say one thing. I'm, I, I believe in that we do things well, right? I really do. But as God's people, we're not called to management technique. 
And we're not called to... We're not called to a show. We're called to the glory of God. We're called to giving our all for him. Can you see what Bruce Milne's saying? He's saying there's been a shift. And a lot of it has got good intention because we want to reach people. Well, we'll see the light. We're like them, really. No, we want them to see, wow, we're different. We're different. You're called to be holy. One line I love that he said, the loss of a wholehearted pursuit of Christian holiness. And the title this morning, really, of this preach is The Pursuit of Holiness. To run after God with all your heart. Listen to this challenging verse. Do you need to turn it up? I'll read it to you. From Hebrews 12, chapter 14. Strive for peace with everyone. How many know that's hard? <laughs> with your Christian brothers and sisters even. That's a, that's a real one. And we're all affected by it. Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Oh, what? I won't see Lord about holiness. I thought it was all about Jesus saved. It is. But like Terry said this morning, you're saved from something to be saved to something. And you're saved to be a holy person, a set-apart person for him. And striving, strive for peace. I thought this was all about grace and we don't have to strive. Let me say this. Striving in the Greek, in that passage, means this. To aggressively chase like a hunter, pursuing a catch, to press on. Wow. So think of that word, to, to really go for it. To really pursue something like a hunter on a catch. Think of that in relation to peace with others. Ooh, that's a challenge. Wow. And without holy, you've got, to, you've got to see that all that is part of being a holy person. And we need to find a, a recovered sense of holiness in our day and age. Because in many ways it's been lost. Okay. Look down at your passage, 1 Peter. And we'll go down from verse 13. Now, do you notice how Peter says, he says, therefore, and as as one of my heroes, Martin Lloyd-Jones, if you ever listen to him on message, he says, therefore, whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you have to ask what it is, therefore. Because it's jumping in here to say therefore, right? But the reason why he's saying therefore is that in the verses beforehand, we won't read them all, but in that first section from verse 3 to verse 13, verse 12, it's all about how you've been born again and how, how God did it. God brought you to life. Do you know that? I put my hand up maybe. I, I, but it was God at work in you. The Holy Spirit brought fire into your life and you woke up. And I need to repent. You know, wow. And that's the Christian journey. It began in God. So Peter's saying, because of all those things, you've got this great inheritance. It's more precious than gold. It's the most amazing thing that you could ever, ever have. Better than winning the lottery, folks. It's better than becoming a zillionaire. 
because you have inherited a life that will never end with God in glory. There is a life that will never end for everybody. One is with him, and one is without him in hell. And I'm sorry, it's uncomfortable, but that's going to be a lake of fire forever, right? Everybody will get an eternal body. Everyone will have a body that in the new life will last forever. I don't believe that a non-believer, once they die, cease to exist. But some people actually believe. I don't believe that. The Bible says in several places that hell will be horrendous. And that's why we're here to cry out, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Be born again unto life. So in this passage, you've been born again if you're a Christian. Therefore, look down at verse 13. Prepare your minds for action. Being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is going to finish. Whatever, it's going to finish. But there's an amazing day coming. When sin will be no more. Pain will be no more. Suffering will be no more. And he will be revealed and you'll be like him. You're not like him fully yet. I was thinking, you know, if you saw God today in this body, this flesh, I think you'd disintegrate. Because of his, his holiness. Have you ever lied on the beach on holiday and, and tried to look at the sun with your Ray-Bans on? You can't, you can't do it, can you? Even a glance. Now that's a created sun. That's a ball of light that God created. See God in all his holiness. But while we're still in the flesh, what's inside us would, would leap out. But this flesh, but one day we're going to put this off. And the, what is the imperishable? That means it won't, this is going to perish. One day, this, I, use, I look at my hands sometimes, I think, this ain't going to make it. And I'm shaving in the mirror. And I'm thinking, you know, this, this is going to go, this is going to be worm, worm food. Right? But what's inside? Born again, new person. It's going to be with God forever. So be holy. As he is holy. So look, verse 14. As obedient children, obedient. Wow. Don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. What a funny thing to say. You see, how many people know that when you've come to Christ, maybe a bit later in life, you think, I wish I'd known, I wish I'd known, I wish I'd known earlier. I wish I'd come to Christ when I was 19 or, you know, and me, like a plonker, being brought up in a Christian home and receiving Christ from an early age, never really understood a lot of it. I was doing my own thing a lot of the time. But you can be in ignorance, you see. Your former ignorance. What a funny thing to say. But ignorance, really, is darkness. 
It's a lack of knowledge, understanding, or information about something. You ever been kept in the dark at work? You don't know. That can be a good and a bad thing sometimes. But all sin, really and truly, comes from living in darkness. In John chapter 3, you know, the born again. In John chapter 3, that's weird about being born again. Did you ever used to watch the, the Winter Olympics? Have you ever seen when they're on the, what is it, the, what's that? the bobsleigh? You always see John 3.16 and things like that and verses like that. John 3 is the amazing chapter in John's Gospel all about being born again and how God sent his son into the world for us. Wonderful passage. But in that passage, it says, it says some crazy things. It says, men love darkness rather than light because the deeds were evil. That's a funny passage, isn't it? People love darkness rather than light because the deeds were evil. But now, light has come into the world, has come into your world. But it's easy as a Christian to live in the shadow. Have you ever been in the shadow? Because when you can see a shadow, it's partially light, isn't it? But there's almost like this dark bit where you can... Now, the reason why I know I've lived in that. I tried to be an in-betweeny. Any in-betweenies in the room? I want a bit of that world, really. It's kind of good, isn't it? Or maybe you were brought up in a Christian home. You know, my, do you know what the, the lie I believed? I'm missing out. I've missed out. I've missed out. No, you haven't. I want to tell you if that's a thing for you. or You haven't missed out. It's a miserable place. It's a miserable place. It's a place without hope, without light. It's darkness. But the saving light of faith is this beam of righteousness. Listen to what Luke wrote or writes about John the Baptist. Do you remember John the Baptist? Now, in the natural, he was Jesus' cousin. Okay? Now, Jesus obviously was the son of God, but he was born through Mary. But he, and John the Baptist was his cousin. And his dad, Zechariah, prophesied this over John the Baptist. So this is John the Baptist he's talking about. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the, and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's what salvation's all about. The light of Christ shining into the dark recesses of your soul and awakening you. That's what it's truly about. Who likes hymns? Put your hand up if you like hymns. I love hymns. One of my favorite hymn writers, Mr. Charles Wesley. And can it be? I know some people who, who have said to me, I want that hymn at my funeral. I probably do, actually, as well. I'll have to think about that one. There's many. But Mr. Wesley, 
Think about this verse about the light shining in. Right? And listen to this verse from And Can It Be. Sorry, it's old English, okay? Thine eye diffused. That means let something go. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke. It doesn't mean you're in bed and the clock alarm went off. It's not talking about you sleeping over on a Sunday morning. Ah, it's the meeting, I've got to get up. It's talking about a light from heaven came into your soul. And I woke up. The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My chains fell off. You know, some people are still walking around trying to put them back on. Your chains have fallen off. My heart was free. Is your heart free this morning? Are you free? My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. And I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, that is a description of the holy life. God did something in you. Woke you up. But he hasn't just woke you up to sit and wait for heaven. Did you see what Wesley said? I rose. I got up. I went forth. And I followed thee. See, to be holy, you've got to be a follower of Jesus. You've got to be a disciple. You've really got to follow him with all your heart. Being holy. So, I want to say to you this morning, consider, think about who you belong to. If you're a Christian, think about who you belong to. Whatever you go this week and today, whatever you do, and believe me, is it just me who gets tempted? In all sorts of ways. When those temptations come, remember, remember whose you are. Are you growing in godly character? Are you growing? Are you kind of, have you reached a, you see, in, in our Christian walk, it's a walk. It's a little bit like going up Snowden. Anyone been up Snowden? And I worked, I worked for a long time in a Christian outdoor centre in Wales. And we did Snowden every Thursday. I've been all over them, crib got the lot, right? And, the, and you, you can count on two hands in a whole season the number of times you get a view from the top. Because usually it's a bit like today. The clag is down. And you feel like, I'm just keeping going. What are we doing? I, I, I have people saying, well, I've come all this way to Wales to go up snow and I can't see anything. It's raining and the wind's blowing and you're thinking, this is miserable. But one step, come on, keep going. We're together. We're together. Keep going. And then every now and then, the wind comes and it blows the cloud away. a long way. But when you're in the trudge, it doesn't feel like that, does it? Are you growing? Or have you plateaued? Have you stopped and said, that's enough? I just stay here. 
It's a bit high, that. Don't know if you can make it, but I want to tell you, you're not doing it on your own. You've got a friend with you on the inside. Do you know who he is? Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit. His Spirit's in you. Colossians 1.28, Paul says, Christ, Christ in you, in you, the hope of glory. Are you growing? So flip your Bibles over quickly to 2 Peter now. We looked at 1 Peter, being holy. This is some of the practical stuff now. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. And we're going to read through this and we're going to finish. I love these letters of Peter. Do you know Peter? Who can relate to Peter? He was a rum lad, you know. Do you remember he denied Jesus? He was always putting his foot in it. He was always saying, he said the right thing. Who do men say, I'm Jesus? He said, you're the the Messiah. Wow. (laughs) But a lot of the time, Peter was always doing that. But I love his faith. I love it when he saw Jesus on the water. He said, didn't he come? Come on then. What did he do? Out of the boat. Starts walking to Jesus on the water. I'm doing it. And have you ever done something crazy in your life? And you think, I'm doing it. Then all of a sudden, your brain kicks in. And you think, what the heck am I doing? Well, that's a bit like Peter. And he saw these waves. He looked away from Jesus. And he sank. And saved me. And Jesus said, come here. I love the fact that he stepped out. I love his passion, right? So he's writing, in his, he's an old man now, and he's writing to, to us. And he says this in chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us, 2 Peter 1, verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, He's given you everything you need. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Remember, the other week we talked about you're all called. Calling isn't just positions in the church, calling is on your life. You're called, you're chosen. He's called us by his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them, you may, now listen to this, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Wow. That's God in you. If if you're born again, you've you've partook of God's nature. That's amazing, right? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. What is, just quickly, what is the world? Anyone want to shout out what they think the world is? The system? Thanks, Tony. Yeah, anyone else? In the old days, it was, don't wear makeup. Don't go to the cinema. That was class as the world, right? Now, I want to say to you, ladies, be free. <laughs> wear the makeup. But don't be a slave to it, because you're a beautiful person. The beauty is on the inside, it's always. It's great to do that. If you want to do that, it's fine. And don't go to the cinema if it's a load of junk. Be measured. 
I'll tell you what the world is. The world is the desires of the flesh. The desires of the eyes. John talks about this, 1 John. And the pride of life. See, we're, we're, we're constantly battling now, aren't we? Those, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're our enemies, but we're victorious in him. But the world, the desire of the eyes. Back in the garden, it says Eve looked at the tree. And she said it looked good for food. It was a delight to the eyes. See, many things will try and grab your eyes, folks, as a Christian. Distract you. And the other thing, it says, it looked good. This is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You know the one they weren't supposed to eat from? It looked good for wisdom. Oh, it looks good for wisdom. Maybe God's holding out on me. I'm going to take it. Oh, everything changed in that second. We're naked. God says, who told you we were naked? See, something changed. And the world changed that day. Christ, as the last Adam, the second man, came to put it right. 